you know, if you got to go for a run, try to run by a golf course because the golf course is God's creation at its best. And it just reminds you of his goodness and of what heaven's going to look like. We're all going to play Augusta. Not going to be any tea times. Hatchet's going to be my caddy. And go running. Yeah. So definitely run by a golf course. Unless Ryan Christian's on the tee, because he's liable to hit it out of bounds and knock you in the head. Well, thank you for being here for this service. We're in a study called The Race, noticing how much discipleship has in common with the sport of running. Before you say anything else, yes, I know I'm wearing a very green sweater. I know that St. Patrick's Day was yesterday. That's why I wore this sweater yesterday. I'm wearing the sweater today because Baylor is the only team left in my bracket. I've had total bracket fail this year. (laughs) Last week, uh, I was in Colorado speaking for some churches there, and Chris spoke for me, and he said later, thanks a lot, you give me spring forward Sunday. It's a preacher's most hated day because it's not like you already need more reasons to fall asleep, but that's the Sunday when you lose an hour. But I do want to ask the question, why is it that one simple hour makes such a difference to us? Why do we live lives so constantly exhausted? Do you ever get tired of always feeling tired? Several years ago, I spoke at a conference and Jamie got to come with me. And they had me scheduled all day long to speak. It was a long day. When we got back to our room that night, my wife says, man, I am exhausted. I said, you're exhausted. I had to preach five times today. She said, yeah, and I had to listen to you five (laughs) times today. See, I think one reason that the writers of the New Testament compare discipleship to a race is because they know discipleship can be exhausting. And that's why scripture is filled with words like endure, continue, persevere. Because the most simple running advice there is, is this. To run a good race, you have to keep running. So listen to the words of the author of Hebrews as he speaks to this very real uh, piece of wisdom. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinful men, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. And so all of the counsel that he just gave us about running our race has one purpose, to keep us from losing heart. Heart, because we just got so 
weary. You see, there are reasons to get off track. It's easier to wear the name of Jesus than it is to follow in the way of Jesus. Because nowhere in the Scripture were you promised when you started this race that there wouldn't be any hills. That there wouldn't be any injuries. That you wouldn't even get fouled by other runners. The New Testament knows nothing of a coasting brand of Christianity. The race is long. It is hard. And discouragement at certain times in the race is inevitable. If you read the entire book of Hebrews, it becomes obvious that the author is writing to some Christians that got off to a good start. But now they're tired. And they're thinking of dropping out of the race. And you know that happens, don't you? Because I bet everybody in this room can think of somebody you know that's dropped out of the race. Somebody in your family, a good friend. Maybe somebody you even helped enter the race has quit. We've all been weary. We've all been discouraged. We need to confess it. We need to address it. Not too long ago, there was a television program on, focused on the Hawaiian Open Triathlon. It's the oldest and most famous of all triathlons. Now, imagine this. You swim over two miles in the open sea. Then you bike over 100 miles Then you run a marathon. And there were some people that had been a part of this for some years that were being interviewed. And one woman was named Lynn Brooks. And she talks about a year when she was in the marathon part of the triathlon. And she said her body hurt in places she didn't know existed. She was emotionally and physically exhausted. And she went into an aid tent and there on a bench was a man holding an ice-cold beer, and he read her thoughts, and he said to her, all you have to do is drop out of the race like I did. And she said on TV, I knew immediately that that man was the devil. (laughs) So she got back into the race, and with tears in her eyes, she said, It was the hardest and the most glorious day of my life. And that's why a little later in the same chapter, the writer of Hebrews says, So, take a new grip with your tired hands and strengthen your weak knees. Don't think about quitting because God is much more concerned with how you finished this race than how you started it. And so he says, let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. In other words, he's saying, you need some resolve to stay in this race. Some determination. And notice he says, let us 
In other words, the idea is we're running in this race together. Not as competitors, but as mutual encouragers. You may have heard the story of the two guys that were on a hike and they came into a meadow. On the other side, there's a big, angry grizzly bear that starts to charge them. They take off running in their big old heavy mountain boots when one of them sits on the ground, pulls some Adidas out of his backpack, starts to put them on. And his friend says, what are you thinking? You're not going to outrun that bear. He looked up and said, I don't have to outrun that bear. I just have to outrun you. (laughs) A lot of people have forgotten that this is not an individual race. The other runners are not my competition. The idea is that we are cheering for each other and we're encouraging each other to hang in there for the long haul. So earlier in the book, for example, chapter 3, the writer says, But encourage one another daily, as long as it is called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. We've come to share in Christ. Now watch. If... We hold firmly till the end the confidence we had at first. You see, there is a big market today for religious experience. But there doesn't seem to be as much interest in slow, steady, patient pursuit of the way of Christ. All of you that love football will immediately recognize one of the all-time favorite cowboys. Emmett Smith carried the football for more yardage than any runner in NFL history all the way into the Hall of Fame. But did you know that his average yard per carry in his career was 4.3 yards? He carried a football for 18,000 yards, four yards at a time. The writer is saying to run this race takes resolve. It takes tenacity. It takes a determination not to quit. The best way I could think of to illustrate this spirit I'm urging you to have is in this video clip I want you to watch right now. The young woman's name is Heather Dornadin. It's a 2008 Big Ten Championships. She represents the University of Minnesota and she's racing in front of her hometown fans and she takes a face plant. It's a 600 meters or just one lap to go. You'd think she'd just quit, but she doesn't. She gets up and she takes off to run the most important lap of her life and watch what she does she wins and this was the spirit of all of those great heroes in the faith back in chapter 11 when he said in chapter 12 therefore he's saying remember what I just wrote Noah kept running. Abel kept running. Abraham kept running. Moses kept running. David kept running. Therefore, let us run 
with perseverance the race that's marked out for us. And here's how you do it. Three things. Number one, look around and discard the things slowing you down. He says, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. Because in running, lighter is better. Jesus understood this. He said in Luke 21, be careful or your hearts will be weighed down with dissipation, drunkenness, and the anxieties of life. Sin weighs down your heart. It weighs down your witness. It weighs down your progress in Christ. And and sin doesn't just slow down your race. But it has collateral damage. You know story after story where the sin in one person's life upset other people's races. Now, right now, the Holy Spirit is speaking to some of you. Because you know right now that part of your life that's slowing down your race. You know what it is. You can name it. But you haven't got rid of it. You're not here by accident to hear this word. How long are you going to continue to carry what you know is hindering your race? But it's not just the ungodly that can slow you down. It's the unnecessary. He said, get rid of everything that hinders your race. Now, again, to help you understand this point, I want you to watch this short video clip. This is from my actual marathon last November. Here comes our boy Rick at mile marker 19. He looks none the worse for the wear. Yeah. The only thing I wish is that a marathon needs to be 20 miles. And I have one to go. I wish Hatchet was here. I wish Brent Barrow was here. I wish Pizza Buffet was at the end. But it's been good. Did you have any pizza? I didn't, but I did break down and get one powdered donut. Because I needed I needed it more for my spirit than I did for my stomach. Yeah, I know. Okay. Do you want some more good? No, I'm fine. Uh, it's been good. Uh, it's been good. But I'm ready for it to be over. Okay. Well, enjoy the rest of the race. Hang tough. Later. Okay, every runner understands what just happened. You start a race, and in that particular day, it was in the 30s when we began the race. Most of the runners had on long sleeve shirts over their short sleeve shirts. We had on gloves. And as you begin to run, your body temperature rises, and the weather begins to get warmer, and you start to get hot. And all along the course, people start discarding clothing gloves, hats, shirts. They come along later and they pick up all these discarded articles of clothing and they give them to homeless people and to youth ministers. And (laughs) the thing is, 
I was wanting to get rid of that long sleeve shirt about 12 miles earlier. I just never came up with someone to give it to. It was hindering my race. I was getting too hot. Now, this is what a mature runner understands. There's a lot of things that aren't necessarily illegal, but they're just not helpful for your race. You heard me talk about this a couple of weeks ago. A mature Christian runner stops asking the question, is this sinful? And starts asking the question, is this helpful for my witness, for my purity, for my courage, for my faith? Because there's a lot in life that isn't necessarily wrong, but it's so eternally trivial that it is distracting your race. Just this past week, I saw a tweet from a Christian author named Donald Miller that said, Right before you die, you'll realize that this whole life was about loving people. And you watched too much television. Distraction can lead to discouragement. So I challenge you today, beware the seduction of the trivial because it will get heavy. So look around. Ask yourself some hard questions. Is there some stuff in my life that's just weighing down my race? I don't really need to give it All I've been given it. Second thing. Look ahead and see how Jesus ran. He says, let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. You see, Jesus finished the race because he set his sight on the joy before him. And the idea is that same joy is for us when we finish the race. Who else are you going to pursue that can offer you more? Remember in John 6 when people started bailing out on Jesus? The race started getting hard. And he turned to his disciples. He said, what about you? Are you going to leave me too? And Peter says, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. You see, there's no part of your race, no matter how tough it's been, that Jesus doesn't understand. Have you been fouled by other runners? Jesus knows betrayal. Have you been injured in your race? Jesus knows pain. And think about this. You've never had to climb a hill like the hill he climbed. In fact, his greatest hill was the last mile of his race. All the way to a cross. And so let Jesus inspire you. Study his race. In fact, the author says it doesn't just inspire us. It energizes us. He's the author and the perfecter of your faith. So Jesus is helping you run. He's giving you energy to run. He's encouraging and even improving your faith. In the next chapter, the writer says, May he equip you with all you need for doing his will. And may he produce in you, notice, through the power 
of Jesus Christ. Every good thing that is pleasing to him. Jesus Christ is going to give you the energy to finish this race. You fix your eyes on the hills, you'll get discouraged. You focus on other runners who have let you down, you'll get disappointed. But you look at Jesus and you will finish. He will never let you down. And so you look ahead and you see how Jesus ran. But there's one more thing you have to do. You have to look above at all those cheery who have finished the race. You see, the best part of running a marathon, I found out, was all the people that root for you while you run. All along the way, people are shouting, you can do it. You're looking good. Keep going. The most famous marathon in America is the Boston Marathon. And about midway in that race, the course goes by Wellesley College. Wellesley College is an all girl school. And the girls at that school really get excited about the Boston Marathon. They turn out in full force. They line the course on either side. They have what they call the scream tunnel that you can hear a mile away. And as you run through that tunnel of women, they cheer. They give you water. They even give you hugs and kisses if you need it. And as studies have shown, the men who run the Boston Marathon, their fastest mile is the time they run by Wesley College. And what's especially cool is when those who have already finished the race hang around to cheer for you when you finish. And that's what the author of Hebrews has in mind when he says, you are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. Abel, Noah, Moses, Abraham, David. They didn't disappear when they finished the race. They got up in the stands so they could watch you and cheer. It says about them in chapter 11, verse 13, that all of them died believing what God had promised them. In other words, every one of them was still running at the end. None of them quit and their example should encourage you let me show you what is considered perhaps the most famous sports photograph ever the young man is named Roger Bannister medical student at England who in March of 1954 did what they said could never be done he ran a sub four minute mile the first ever but here's what a lot of people don't know within two years of that picture over 50 other runners around the world ran a sub four minute mile because Roger Bannister showed the world it could be done we travel where other people have run you're not the first person on this course it is not an easy course following Jesus is hard 
But other people have run this course and they have finished this course. And if you listen close, you can hear them cheering. And so we keep running. I want to just tell you one more story. This picture now is of a young naval cadet named Willie McCool. It was from the 1980s when he was in the academy at Annapolis. He was on the cross-country team at Navy. In fact, by his senior year, he had been voted the captain of the team. Now, his coach would tell you he was not the best runner. But the coach will also tell you nobody did more with less than Willie McCool. Nobody was more dedicated. Nobody gave it more. Nobody was more encouraging to the team. In fact, even after he graduated, he would still have the team over to his apartment every Friday night for spaghetti to encourage them to be better runners for Navy. Well, he went on to a distinguished career in the academy. And in fact, the highlight of his career in 2003, he was astronaut Willie McCool. He was the pilot in 2003 of the space shuttle that exploded over East Texas. One of seven astronauts that died. They've discovered the instrument panel and they can tell by looking at it at the very last second he was at that panel trying to fly his ship and save his crew. And so after that tragedy, men he had inspired and fellow academy cross-country teammates got together and pulled money for a memorial. It's at the cross-country court at the Naval Academy today. You see, that shuttle was 16 minutes from landing when it exploded. And so they took Willie's very best time. And they backed it up to where he would have been 16 minutes from the finish line. And they put that marker. And so now all the young men that run that course remember the man that ran it before them. 16 minutes from home. Keep running. And when I read that story, I had two thoughts. One was, I'm so thankful for all the people God has put in my life who have run ahead of me that got me started in the race. And who to this day, some still running, some who have finished, but they still inspire me. But I thought something else. What's my marker going to be? And when the people behind me run where I have run and think of me, will they want to quit or keep going? Let's bow our heads, please. Would you just take a moment? And would you think about the people that helped get you started in the race? The people that inspired you by their race? Would you take a moment and just name them in your heart and thank God for them?
And now do one more thing. Think about the marker you want to leave. And what might you need to do to make that marker more inspiring? What is the Holy Spirit asking you to do today to run a better race? Oh, God, I'm not going to stand here and preach to these people and pretend the race is easy because your own word says it's not. And we're not going to put on fake smiles and pretend we've never been tired or discouraged because you see the heart and you know better. But, God, we do see Jesus. And... In our better moments, in the distance, we can hear the faint roar of the crowd. Help us keep running. Because one day, God, the applause of heaven is going to be deafening. And I want everybody here to hear that. Help us run in Jesus' name. Amen. You've heard me say, you cannot finish a race you never entered. For 2,000 years, people have expressed publicly their faith that Jesus is Son of God. They have been immersed in water to show their faith that His death and resurrection are the most important events in history. And by doing these things, they have declared, I too am joining the race. We'd love for some of you to come run with us today. Come down front, let us know while we stand up and we sing.